This weekend, we are continuing in our summer series uh, on the book of Psalms, looking at, at a, a couple different Psalms throughout the summer. Um, and the one that we're looking at this morning might not be super familiar, but it, it echoes some of what we read or some of what we hear in some of the other Psalms. I was talking with my, my mom about what I was going to uh, preach on this morning and kind of sharing some of the stories I was, I was going to tell and uh, some of the reflections from my own life. And she said, I got your church email. <laughs> I thought you were preaching on joy. Why are you going to be talking about all this, this other stuff? And, and I think you'll see what I mean as we, we, we continue through this morning. But one of the reasons that I appreciate the Psalms, one of the reasons I, I love the Psalms, I've, I've shared this throughout the series, is because of the honesty that comes out in them. We might not relate to the exact circumstance that the psalmist found themselves in, um, but my guess is that we can all relate to the emotions they express, at least in, in one way, shape, or form. Psalm 57, where we are this morning, it, it doesn't hold back. There's sorrow. There's remorse. There's fear. There's joy. There's exuberance. It's, it's the whole range of of emotions all in one psalm. In the midst of, of everything that's there, there's a, a call to sing out songs of praise to God in that range of what we experience, in all seasons of life. Even in the midst of the storms that we will inevitably face. There's an incredible story that, that John Wesley recounts in, in his journal. Uh, Wesley is the founder of Methodism, and along with his brother Charles, wrote many of the hymns that we actually sing still to this day in church. Uh, and this, this story took place, or this happening took place at the tail end of, of 1735. John and Charles, they were on a ship with, with, with two groups of people in the Atlantic Ocean coming to the New World. One, one group of people was, was English, and the other group of people were, were German. For those of you who, who geek out on, on church history, like myself, um, you'll want to listen to this part. If those of you who don't really care about church history, it won't be interesting, but you can turn on your brain in a couple minutes. Um, the, the, the Germans were Moravians. And Moravians, they were followers of Jean Hus, who was martyred in 1415. Legend has it that, that as Hus was martyred, he was actually singing psalms while he died. And so there's two groups of people on, on this, this ship. One group of people that are, are the English folks, and, and one group of folks that are, are Germans that, that follow Jean Hus. Um, and, and a storm hit. A storm, a storm hit. The English people on the ship, they panicked. A family with a young child, they, they went to John Wesley and said, we're, we're surely going to die, will you please baptize our, our child? And then John heard some singing in another part of the ship. And he went over and it was the, the Germans, and the Germans were singing hymns in the middle of this storm. Wesley wrote, a terrible screaming began among the English. The Germans calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, were you not afraid? The German answered, I, I thank God, no. I asked, but were not your, your women and children afraid? The German replied mildly, no, our women and children were not afraid to die. 
The storm calmed as the Germans sang, and Wesley went on to write that it was the most glorious day he had ever witnessed. Now, it's not easy to find joy or confidence in God in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of of difficult circumstances. But the Psalms are reassuring as we search for joy in the places and in the times that often feel joyless in our lives. In Psalm 57, we read this. Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, none of us have, have quite experienced the sort of suffering that, that, that John Huss experienced. And I'm guessing most of us haven't been stuck on an 18th century ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean during, during a, a storm. But we've all gone through some sort of difficulty. We've all had times in our lives that have been hard. Some of us are in them today. Some of us are in them right now. So how do we find midst, or how do we find joy in the midst of, of, of the sorrow? How do we find refuge, as the psalmist writes, in the shadow of God's wings in the middle of disasters? What does that look like? How do we do it? In more ways than one, 2014 was one of the most difficult years of my life. I've shared bits and pieces of what happened um, during that year here at WPC. In February of that year, the cousin I looked up to as an older brother throughout childhood lost a multiple years long battle uh, with, with mental illness and, and addiction. And later in the year, his mom, my aunt, passed away as well. I had some, some lingering health issues of my own. It felt like no matter what I did that year, I couldn't get out of the fog. No matter what I did, I couldn't get out of the fog. It affected every area of my life. A couple of days ago, I stumbled on something that I, I, I journaled, that I, that I wrote in, in 2014, just kind of accidentally found it. I took a day a couple, a couple weeks after my cousin passed and, and I rode my bike to the, the different places that were significant as we grew up together. I started at his house and, and wrote, Rich, that was his name, Rich, I'm sitting in your backyard. Your plumerias are beautiful. It's peaceful. I feel so alone. And while I understand you are in pain, I don't quite understand the depths of it. 
There were other words I wrote. Angry words. Remorseful words. Words that a pastor can't say on Sunday morning in a sermon. I moved on to the Little League field where we met every Thanksgiving day to play football for 15 years. I wrote some more. Then to the wholesale tropical fish store where he got me my my first job. And finally to the beach where we spent countless hours, countless summer days together, where he taught me how to surf, where our family had uh, bonfires at night, often, where he wanted his ashes to be scattered. There were more words and plenty of tears. I'm not sure what exactly I said to my family as I, I left to go on that bike ride. And as I, I stopped, or as I, I left and, and wrote that letter, but I remember feeling it was something that I, I had to do. Something that I just, I just had to do. And as I wrote, I felt this cathartic lift, a rare moment of joy as I remembered the past and as I gave thanks for the impact that, that he had on who I was that day. A moment of joy in the midst of a whole lot of pain. To be honest, I felt that same sense of joy as I reread the letter that I wrote. Finding joy in the midst of suffering is a gift. I believe it gives us a glimpse of God's kingdom breaking through into our broken world, into ourselves when we're often at our lowest point. And this morning's psalm tells the story of a a person looking for and really finding that glimpse. The writer paints a picture of a world that was completely against him. Nothing is going right. Everyone is, is out to get him. He's in crisis. And somehow in the middle of it all, he's able to praise God. It starts with an honest cry for mercy. It starts with an honest cry for mercy. Now, in Hebrew poetry, whenever a verb is is repeated in short order, as it is in the first verse here, have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. Whenever it's repeated like that, it's as if the author is saying, show mercy to me right now. Right now. Show it to me right now. Most believe that as David wrote these words, he was, he was running from Saul and it was hiding in a cave in the mountains. Now in Saul's mind, David was an up and coming leader who, who God's favor had clearly fallen upon. He, he was a threat to him. So David was constantly on the run from him. We can picture him in deep distress, praying and pleading, God, I've been waiting for you to show up. To, to say, yes, to deliver me. Are you listening? As David hides in the shadows of the rocks and the hills, he dreams of finding refuge elsewhere. Under the shadow of the wings of God, he, he uses the imagery of a mother hen protecting her chicks from harm. He's honest with his cry. He's honest with his, his fears, with, with his needs. It's a model that that we can follow today as we approach God with our own struggles. Is there anything that you're holding back? 
anything you think God just can't handle, or maybe something that you are embarrassed to admit. Maybe you feel like pleading with God is a, is a fool's errand. This psalm can relate to where you sit. We're invited to lay it all out, to scream, God, we need you right now. Where are you? As David yells into the wilderness, he, he also recognizes the, the gravity of the situation. He, he, he knows that he is in crisis. Now, I'm guessing we all know someone who's, uh, how do we put it gently, uh, a bit out of touch with reality. Someone who reminds us that, uh, of that, that meme. I, I know you high school kids will know this meme that I'm talking about. Oh, and I know you'll know the meme. There, there's a cartoon dog who's sitting in fire, in a room on fire. You guys know what I'm talking about? And there's a speech bubble over him that says, uh, it's all okay. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about or am I making this up in my mind? If you go home and you look up fire dog meme, you'll see hundreds of these, these cartoons. I'm guessing we all know someone like that. It's the opposite of the picture that David is painting here. He, he, he's realistic. He knows that he's in crisis, that the world is crumbling around him, where people are as evil as poisonous snakes from the moment they were born, where, where he's surrounded by lions and beasts with sharp teeth, enemies like hunters who are setting traps. His soul is bowed down ready to break under the weight of what he's carrying. Again, he doesn't shy away from the reality. And yet, as he, he lays among these beasts, he's able to praise God to see the bigger picture. In verse 5, we, we see this switch. He, he says, Be exalted among the heavens, let your glory be over the earth. This is a psalm that connects the past to the present and to the future. He's able to endure the threat of his enemies in the present because God had been faithful in the past, which gave him hope for what was to come. For many of us, when we are in crisis, we can't see beyond whatever it is that we're experiencing right in that moment. It's either too painful or the need is too urgent. And yet, in those moments... We need to remember that God is faithful. We need to remember the big picture. He knew the moment of crisis, as serious as it was, that it would pass one way or another. The Apostle Paul wrote about this sort of thing all the time as he endured imprisonment or, and more or less constantly lived a life where he was on the run. Whether he was writing about suffering while boasting in the glory of God as he did in the first passage we read from Romans, or being honest with the reality around him. He didn't shy away from the crisis. He didn't ignore it. I, I think 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and 8 summarize both the way he lived as well as the challenges he faced. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not perplexed. Or persecuted, but not in despair. Not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We need to be honest with the crises we face. We can't just kind of sweep it under the rug and act like everything is okay when it's, it's clearly not. 
But we also need to hold those crises in perspective of the bigger picture. Remembering that we are loved. Remembering that God indeed is faithful. I think it's, it's David's honesty that, that leads him to the place where, where he can actually sing in the storm. Where he can actually praise God in the midst of it all. Eugene Peterson translates the last five verses of the psalm this way. I'm ready, God, so ready. Ready from head to toe. Ready to sing, ready to raise a tune. Wake up, soul, wake up, harp. Wake up, lute. Wake up, you sleepyhead son. I'm thanking you, God, out loud in the streets, singing your praises in town and country. The deeper your love, the higher it goes. Every cloud is a flag to your faithfulness. Soar high in the skies, O God, cover the whole earth with your glory. David remembers that God is faithful. And he responds in song. He responds in worship. I love the imagery here of waking up the world with music. With summer winding down and the start of the school year just around the corner, uh, we've tried to take some, some steps in our, our house to prepare our kids for what's coming. The early mornings. Owen, are you ready for the early mornings on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Chloe, are you ready? Yeah. Calvin, you ready? No. No. We, we've tried to, to kind of ease into the school year, so kind of slowly start waking up earlier and earlier, going to bed a little bit earlier every night. Uh, and uh, we're, we're trying to establish some, some new habits in the evening that will hopefully help with the early mornings when they come. And the start of the year has actually helped us to think intentionally about our morning routine, about how we wake up. How does your morning look? If you were just to, to, to take a couple moments, what, what does your morning look like? How do you wake up? Do you wake up and, and look at your phone right away and all of a sudden realize, oh, there's a lot of bad news out there? Do, do, do you wake up groggy, kind of stumbling your way to, to the next thing in your life? How do you wake up? Do you wake up ready to sing God's praises? I know I always don't. You can ask my family. I definitely am not always cheery in the morning, ready to sing God's, God's praises. But it's important that we think about the way that we wake up. What might it look like for you to be intentional with singing God's praises right from the get-go? One thing we learned in our house is it, is it does help, help us to get the day going with, with music. So Haley and I will also have, will often have hymns playing uh, in the morning, or if our kids are moving extra slow, some sort of upbeat music to get them going. And if the kids are moving super, super slow, dad starts to sing, and, and we know how that works out from the mission trip, right guys? Dad, dad starts to sing, and then they get out of bed right away. Music has a way of stirring our hearts of getting us going or bringing us comfort. And sometimes it's both. 
It's a gift that it has the potential to speak to us in a way that gives us glimpses of God's kingdom in the here and now, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we are going through. One of the hymns that reminds us of God's presence in the storm is It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford, uh, who wrote the song, he experienced a lot in his life. And I've, I've mentioned, uh, uh, it was a couple months ago, uh, on Sunday morning, uh, kind of talked through his life experience. Um, and if you haven't, I'd encourage you to go and look up his, his story a bit. His experience was one that echoes the suffering of Jean Hus. The fear and calm of those on the boat with John Wesley. The trials of David. The frustration and anger that I felt with the death of my cousin. And yet, yet, he was able to sing. He was able to write, it is well with my soul. May we learn to find joy in all seasons. May we find moments to to seek glimpses of God's kingdom in the here and now. Let's pray. Holy God, sometimes the world just doesn't make sense. Sometimes it just feels like everyone and everything is, is against us, like it's impossible to experience your goodness, to experience your joy. Lord, in those moments, we ask that you would break through and that you would remind us that you are faithful. Lord, help us to experience joy. We pray these things in your name. Amen.